you can increase the quality of a product without increasing price by being properly organized. I visit a lot of factories and sometimes I found out that the way they are organized uh, could be optimized. Today's podcast is brought to you by Aurelia Pay. I use them personally for sending money to my Chinese suppliers from Hong Kong. It's a cross-border payment solution between China, Hong Kong, and Southeast Asia. So when I need to make a payment to a Chinese supplier, I just hop online to place the remittance, pay to the Aurelia Pay's Hong Kong-based bank account, and Aurelia Pay will settle RMB within the same business day. So check them out online at www.aureliapay.com, A-U-R-E-L-I-A-P-A-Y.com, or check them out linked in our show notes. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Episode 187, Global From Asia, globalfromasia.com slash episode 187. Everybody for show notes. These definitely have lots of show notes. Christopher gave me quite a bit for his extensive education on manufacturing and mass production in China. So before we get into that, thank everybody for listening. It's We're getting up to almost 200 shows, plus we have the e-commerce series. So really passing that, plus China Business Cast, another podcast. Actually, I've done Forbes China podcast and Social Agent podcast, probably a few hundred now. But we are rocking here and people are loving Global From Asia's show and I, I really appreciate it. We got sponsors and, and I really pay. Thank you so much for supporting this show and continuing to provide this amazing value for everybody and these amazing guests. So thank you for that. Also, the e-commerce series is applications have closed today. Uh, if you caught this on August 8th, as soon as it comes out, you could squeeze an application. I've been getting some amazing video applications, some really great entrepreneurs and business owners of all ages and sizes and and colors and locations. So I really appreciate you guys for taking the time to apply. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be checking through these applications, going to be reaching out to people, and I'm going to hook up everybody that's applied because I know it takes some time and some courage to apply. If you didn't do it yet and still want to, you can do that. We'll link it up on the show notes at globalfromasia.com slash episode 186. Also got amazing meetups coming up and we're starting to call the e-commerce series, the e-commerce gladiator. I'm getting less shy. So I'm going to be on video. We're going to do a TV show. We're going to record it live, live stream it, live audience, studio audience and recorded. Be on YouTube, iTunes video and probably get audio versions too. It's going to be amazing. We're going to do it August 22nd, Tuesday, 7 p.m. live, China time. Facebook.com slash Global From Asia if you want to get on the live stream and others. It's going to be amazing start. We have some amazing companies that want to cooperate with us, partner with us, give amazing value to our our new e-commerce venture. It's, it's a whole new world for Global From Asia. And I can't wait to have you guys come with us for the ride. So stay tuned for that or ecommercegladiator.com. I bought another domain name, but it forwards to globalformasia.com slash ecommerce dash gladiator. All right. And now for this week's show, part two of the education, man, this is like college education for mass production in China with an expert, Christopher Oliva. He is sharing with us how to oversee your production. So after you have your unique idea to kind of combat 
copycats or com- be different on Amazon or other platforms? How do you make sure your production goes well? So he's he's an expert in that and he gives us tons of value. So again, bring out your notebooks, but also we have pretty good show notes this time. So again, check out that at globalfromasia.com slash episode 187. Let's take it away, Chris. And we have Christopher back again, part two of the series. So even given some great, great info, insights here. So we, we want to continue this into our, our another episode. So last, last uh, episode, we were talking all really detailed about the pro- production process for a new product and especially helping startups and some of these sometimes doomed uh, Kickstarter guys. <laughs> Hopefully not, but <laughs> but uh, we went through the process, and now we're going to pick it back up where we were with the how do you how do you kind of manage or make sure that this development process is done properly and reduce the risk? Yeah, well, this is one one of the of the big challenge actually. It's it's to success to to manage this and for I, you know when we started doing product development it was a bit messy and so on and finally to avoid those those problem uh, we have established a framework um, which I established myself because um, I put myself I put my hands on on each task actually of the of the process so typically I'm able to design PCB now and to d- design some uh, mechanical parts and also a bit some coding and so on I put my hands on in every uh, uh, every activities of the dev- product development process, and I establish a framework that allow to uh, to guide uh, to guide the team to go in the right direction from the beginning. So it include a process and a method a methodology. Uh, me, I really really believe in process, framework, structure, and organization. Totally. Uh, to control, you know, uh, also the 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 variance of the of the of the output. <laughs> I'm a big believer in in the Six Sigma and, and lean manufacturing. Um, so I I I I work with a process, uh, and it's allow us to. Um, to uh, to to mitigate uh, the the problem on the on the product development and on the side of this i also anticipate a lot on manufacturing and certification issue because as i mentioned in the part one those are barriers actually uh, who can stop your project and require you to start again all over so uh, all over again sorry uh, so i usually anticipate a lot of on manufacturing constraints because as i say if you start designing something but the manufacturing cannot do the the part for example uh, you will need to to restart again your design restart again your engineering restart again your prototype to for validation some sometimes restart again the certification and so it's it's very time consuming and waste a lot of money so the antici- anticipation is really the key i would say um, i have also a supply chain um, and a pool of manufacturer and service provider who are uh, who are good at uh, at doing what uh, what they are specialized in. I've spent uh, years uh, to identify them and to uh, audit them and to evaluate them. Um, I tend to frame also very strongly our customer to go in the right direction at the beginning. Quite often, they have not too much experience and they don't have technical skills. And I try to frame them to uh, <laughs> to go directly to, to to a point and not to constantly uh, try to change this, change that, change this, change that, because this is going to make the product development process very long and very tiring, and the people will just give up, you know. Uh, and this is typically what happens sometimes with people who go to, to manufacturers. As I said, the manufacturers are not intended to, to do product development normally they are intended to manufacture and mass produce so when they, they have a project where there is some product development and the client const, constantly 
he changes his mind, uh, changes, oh, but can we trade this also? Oh, yeah, you know, they, mm-hmm, they become mm-hmm. tired and, and sometimes they just give up. <laughs> exactly. It's it's very tiring. <laughs> we've I've been through it a few times, not as much as you, but for sure. Uh, it's, a, it's definitely a lot of back and forth. And uh, oh, yeah. the MVP is important, though. I mean, you know, I'm kind of, you know, cl- want to maybe clarify for some of these listeners what should somebody have at which at which phase? You know, like there's of course the production samples. There's like mm-hmm. you know handmade samples, like three D printed, and then there's maybe a mock up where you take existing components or stuff at mm-hmm. Radio Shack and you try to put it all t- together. Of course, when you're having the mass production, you have to have a production sample. But uh, you know, maybe at what point should somebody be really sure about what they want to be made? Well, yeah, I mean, normally I, w- I would say make a first prototype very quickly and iterate, but do it on on your side. I mean, don't pollute the time of the manufacturer because mm. they will be pissed, pissed off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, I and like then, that, I the, like that. In the end, they don't reply to you. And, exactly. You know, and, and the people say, oh, the supplier, uh, I started with them and they, they don't reply. I don't exactly. know Exactly. But, you know, when you when, when you do a product development, it needs to be very, I wouldn't say straightforward, but me, I, I try to have a method, methodology, which I call a three-shot methodology, mm-hmm. which is we don't make more than three, I wouldn't say modification, but no, we don't come back more than three times on the same stuff, you know. Got so it. I would make make a first prototype and then the, the customer review everything he wants on the prototype in one time. Yep. Send me back send me back the, the modification too. We do the modification. We issue a second prototype, which uh, all right, the first prototype will be an alpha prototype. The second one will be a beta prototype. So we issue a second uh, prototype, which is a beta prototype. They do a last revision again and no more. Mm. <laughs> and then they send me back the correction and I issue the final prototype. So this is what I would advise to people who want to uh, develop a product is to work with a three-shot three method, methodology, which is first prototype alpha, second prototype beta, and the, and the, and the last one. And, and to structure also the way you feedback um, the people who are going to do the, uh, the modification. If you give a piece of information here and another piece there and another piece there, mm-hmm. it's, terri- it's terrible. It's, it's terrible. true. It's true. So, so it needs to be very well structu- structured um, and organized and make everything uh, easy for the people to do the modification which are required and you need to show uh, the people who are doing those development um, manufacturer or even product development company that you know really where you are going and that you make that uh, you want to save time for people that's great um it does it does sound good it's again keeping everything together simple but at the same time it leads into the next question pretty nicely your ip uh you know how do you protect it if if you're making it nice and packaged easily for someone to just see everything clearly? Yeah, yeah. This is this is one of, of the of the of the I would say the the problem in China is if you give the product development to do to your manufacturer, you don't know where the file are going. You don't mm-hmm. know what they mm-hmm. are doing. Uh, so, sometimes the file are going. Even you sign actually your NDA or whatever, you know. Uh, the file can be given to the browser of the factory owner or to the browser of the salespeople uh, who is going to open another factory to do the same product. And you have no control actually on this. I have seen in the past, I have seen in the past where uh, the, the the ID was given by maybe an engineer or someone. And I said, oh, it's a good idea. I have a cousin who has a factory in the, in the, in the Sichuan or I don't know where, and up uh, the, 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 the mm-hmm. product is going over there. So, 
I, I have a, a very simple methodology, which is typically a divide and conquer uh, methodology, where uh, I would uh, I would split the information. Um, for product development, is a bit difficult because when you have, as I say, the the engineer sometimes a mechanical engineer need to work with an electronic hardware engineer to fit together a casing with a PCB. So the 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 the, the file uh, or the source file are going in different places. But um, you can um, always, for example, on production, you can split the production of the part. And this is something I do for my client. Uh, I use one manufacturer to do only the plastic, uh, another manufacturer to do only the the PCB. And I don't give them the embed firmware, uh, the embed software. I keep it for mm -hmm. myself. Uh, they manufacture the part uh, on each side. So they don't know each other because one is doing the plastic, the other the yeah. PCB, another the packaging, another the metal. Yeah. And I get back all those parts in, uh, in our own place. Uh, and we do uh, we do the assembly there. We do the loading of the, of the, of the, of the software into the chip uh, directly in our own place. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, this is one of the of the best way to protect the IP against uh, manufacturing copy. Which is great. It's great. But what do you think? It's hard to give an estimate. But how much percent price increase do you think that's going to put on the product? Because of course it would be cheaper if I'm sure the factory would say, "Oh, it's, you're I could save you money. You can do it all here. Don't yeah. worry. It's easier to control." It's tempting too for the startup, right? Mm, because yeah, yeah. they they want to because to split it up is going to make it much more challenging and, and yeah, expensive yeah. to control. Which well, not 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 necessarily expensive, but definitely more challenging because if you do it yourself, uh, you will need to control much more uh, parties and much more stakeholder in the in the supply chains than if you go with only one people. Of course, yeah. um, you, you're right. Um, nevertheless, um, I believe the price point is actually not that much expensive because, you know, they will, uh, the price of the bill of material is, I would say, roughly the same. Uh, what is going maybe to increase slightly, maybe it's, it's maybe some transportation cost, but the transportation cost in China is very, very low. True. And I think if you find a proper assembly uh, manufacturer and so on, uh, you can still have some decent pricing on the assembly and still have a decent pricing on the part. It's not necessarily more expensive. I mean, from my experience, uh, we success sometimes uh, to have a pricing um, quite similar than what the Chinese manufacturers are doing, um, and uh, while still controlling the IP much more tightly and still controlling uh, the supply chain much more tightly than if we would go to a, to a manufacturer. So okay, so the complexity is a little bit higher, which and you convinced me the price might be about the same, but of course the most important part, really, for the manufacturing is to keep the quality doing well and another another uh, one of your companies you listed here is Asia Quality Control and you're on the board there so how can you help startups or what do you advise them to do on uh on making sure that this kind of goes through smoothly when they're doing the manufacturing yeah um, the quality control is quite um, i mean the quality management in general in China is quite the, the challenge but i would say that if you uh, anticipate a bit uh, the problems that may happen on uh, on uh, on production and on quality. You can actually success to manage it quite properly. So um, the first things I would say is to keep control on the procurement 
and uh, the supply of the component and materials. Because as I explained before, um, where the, the manufacturers are sometimes uh, tempted to play a bit and cut corner, actually are on the components uh, and, uh, and raw materials, for example. So this is something, for example, I do, is when I do some plastic injection, I don't let, for example, the, the, the plastic injection company to buy the plastic. I would buy myself the plastic and I would send it to the, to the plastic injection company so that I'm sure what kind of materials they are using. And, you know, so this is the same with the electronic component. I, I buy the component and I send them to the to the company which are going to do the soldering of the component on the PCB. So I'm sure what 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 I'm getting on my uh, on my product. So this is something that very few people do, uh, but uh, we do it because uh, we believe that this, this is an easy way to control the, the supply. The second thing I do uh, is typically to regularly inspect um, the production during the production and not only at the end. Quite often, people will wait the end of the production to start mm -hmm. uh, inspecting their product. But the problem when you do this is uh, if you went the end and you discover some problem, the manufacturer will be not very happy to uh, rework your product, reopen all the box, mm -hmm. unassembly the, pro the product, change the part, uh, modify, you know. So if you do it much in advance, I mean, during the production or at the beginning of the production, if you can if you can spot some issue, you can actually uh, straight 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 away tell the manufacturer, hey, there is a problem here, you have to stop right now. And you can um, you can correct the problem and then make the, the production to restart. So your product may be Maybe affected maybe on 10% instead of 100%. So this is one uh, one actually probably one of the best advice I would give to to, to startup is not to wait the end of the of the of the production to inspect um, the product, but to do it at the beginning of the production. God. Something I do so uh, is to um, to inspect the product in a 100% way, because if for example you send an inspection company, um, you will they will inspect the production, but only on a sampling uh, methodology. So it means if you order 10,000 pieces of something, a product in a factory, they will inspect maybe 200 pieces. But the problem is the, the 200 pieces which are supposed to represent the 10,000 uh, may be very good, but what about mm -hmm. the other parts that have not, been, have not been inspected, right? And you cannot afford uh, even to have maybe a 2% defect because if you are seeing on Amazon or somewhere, you don't want to have bad feedback on the <laughs> on your account, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so this is also one advantage we have by doing the assembly by ourselves is we have all the pieces going in front of us in a one-by-one one way and we can reject um, uh, the part before being packed and sometimes even, I mean, the product before being packed and sometimes even the part before being assembled. So this is one uh, one way we we success to manage the the, the, the quality uh, quality uh, challenge. Um, quite often, I also do some review of of sample uh, before the the production when the manufacturer is a bit is about to to start. Uh, I would get some sample and I would already review the sample quality. Sometimes mm -hmm. you can see, we know when they send you, they send you some sample, <laughs> sometimes it's already crap just on the sample. So you cannot, you can imagine what it's going to be on a scale. Exactly. So what we do is, you have this experience also, I suppose, right? Sure. Yeah, make a QC checklist <laughs> maybe, or, well, of course with the, uh, of course yeah, with the, yeah, exactly. Of course with the sample. Yeah. I mean, if you get the crappy one, or sometimes people even buy it off of other, other other suppliers right because they don't yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes you know you have no choice because if you 
and only one supplier have it, but the quality of the sample is not good. You're going to you're not going to open a tooling in another factory just to make it better, right? So in this case, yeah, you do a QC checklist. You take your the sample and you note all the problem uh, on the list, all the problems there is on the sample, and on everything you don't want to have on your mass production. You take picture and you write uh, a defective list. Uh, to the manufacturer so they know exactly what you don't want um, and you try also to imagine where those problems are coming from i know it's not very easy for people who have no experience in manufacturing but if you have a bit some experience what, what i do sometimes is i try to understand what is the manufacturing process of the product and when i understand the manufacturing process i imagine where the problem can come from if for example a product has a very shiny painting on so, so on uh, I know they're going to transport a part from one place to another place uh, in the factory. I imagine that potentially they may forget to put a protection film between the parts when they pile them into a, into a bucket for transportation and it may create some scratch, <laughs> uh, this kind of things. I imagine, for example, that uh, <clears throat> I had a case one time uh, <laughs> on some plastic uh, stuff uh, that uh, the tooling is not clean before injection. There is some grease inside, so it makes some mark on the plastic. Uh, you know, I try to imagine all the problems that they that may happen, and I and I write my defective list based on what I see on the sample and what kind of corrective actions they should do to re, to to avoid those uh, those uh, those defects. For example, it can be just a cleaning. Okay, there is some grease and so on, but before packing the product, you're going to to clean it. So make sure you have some water and so on. So <laughs> this is something. It's that kind of babysitting. I would say uh, the best is to do the babysitter for them i think very good yeah i mean 100 percent inspection though i mean th- that probably makes it a much more e- expensive i mean i guess it's kind of going into our next question of quality and price relations mm-hmm. so of course i guess we can't be cheap during all these processes i'm not yeah. sure if you know i know that a lot of sometimes startups worry about their price getting too high maybe you know it's cutting into the next bullet point but also just mm-hmm. yeah just give people maybe if I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners think about the, the bottom line too, which, you know, of course quality is important. So I don't know if you want to kind of just discuss. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree your point. Actually, the, the 100% quality inspection can be expensive, but I would say it depends what kind of product you are, you are, you are selling and you are doing. If your product, for example, is a very expensive luxury product, I doubt that the 100% inspection will be too much expensive. Of course, if you're on a gadget, which the price tag is $1, probably it's going to be expensive. But still, sometimes, you know, when you deliver some some client, you want to make sure that there is no problem because the cost of managing a, a client which is not happy may excess actually the cost of of. of uh, of of what the the quality uh, the one percent inspection for example, uh, so it depends related to your second question which is uh, do you think quality and price are directly related? I would say yes and no because uh, I believe that in some way um, the quality may depend for example on material or on process. If you you use low end materials, quite often you will end up with a low end product. And if you have for example x process or ten process in a in a chain which guarantee quality, uh, certain quality level. If you cut some corner in this process to save money here and there, then your product is going to suffer, probably. If you skip, for example, some testing because it's too exp- I mean, it's too long and too expensive, yeah, you save money, but you know, the testing, you, did a, <laughs> you need it to make sure that your product is okay. So 
I would say in some way there is a relationship indeed between the price and the quality. But I also I have also another side of myself which says that you can increase the quality of a product um, without increasing price by being properly organized. I visit a lot of factory and sometimes I found out that the way they are organized uh, could be optimized. Um, you know, as I say, I'm a, I'm a quite a big adept of a, of the lean manufacturing and also the design for manufacturing process. And um, you can actually easily reduce the cost of a product if you optimize, for example, the number of parts to assembly. If you have less parts to assembly, then uh, you can optimize the, the cost of your product uh, while uh, reducing the, the the quality issue. This is um, this is this is where the design design phase is very important. If you, mm. for example, design design a part. I, I had, I had in, the, in the past a, uh, a customer who came to me with a product and they have like 20 parts, you know. Mm -hmm. So not only not only it was costly because they had to do 20 tooling, or maybe not 20, but 15, too much tooling. So the investment was very high. Uh, it took a lot of time to assemble the product. Uh, whereas they could have probably designed the same product, I mean, quite, quite the same, by reducing the number of parts. So... It would have reduced the number of tooling. It would have reduced the time to assemble the product, and um, it could have re reduced also actually the the quality issue because when you design, for example, some part, uh, you can do what we call a, a mistake proofing part, where the part cannot assembly can assemble only in one way instead of an, instead of two way to avoid mistake. So for me, the the quality and the price are directly related. Yes and no. Yes, in some way because procurement, and you can adapt. You can have a very good product with no no quality issue if you are organized uh, and apply some proper methodology such as design for manufacturing or lean manufacturing. Right. Yeah, this is just really. I mean, this is really helpful. I'm sure people are getting tons, tons, and tons of value out of this. So we're getting towards the end of. of of this uh this one and kind of our final question you have is the typical mm -hmm. quality issues that you would see that people should look out for when they're mass pr producing okay well actually you know the typical defect depend uh, typical quality issue depends on the kind of product right and i'm going to talk more about uh plastic and uh, electronic product because this is what i'm i'm, I'm working in um uh, working on uh, but typically you will have problem related to materials and part procurement. Uh, you will have some plastic which are cracking. You have some, not necessarily cracking at the time of the production. Sometimes it cracks after six months. And this is related to uh, material uh, selection or related to uh, process which are not respected during the production. Um, it can be, um, can be um, some problem related to components i see it quite frequently uh, for the same reason i, I told before huh? and in the part one if you yeah. don't control the the supply chain of the component but you may have for example some what we call some downgraded components there is <laughs> there is a market in in shenzhen where you can buy some components which which are downgraded mm -hmm. so <laughs> Typically, uh, uh, you will have, for example, uh, Samsung who sells some flash memory for you for um, un under their own name. But uh, if, for example, the, the the flash memory didn't pass the QC in their own factory, but they would resell it without yeah. their name yeah. in, the, yeah. in the second market. Crazy, you will right? Find, yeah. 
Yeah. Those flash memory normally in some products which are a bit less complex or a bit less less risk adverse. For example, USB key. So that's why when you open a USB key, you never have a Samsung a chip inside. You will have a no-name chip. But if you mm-hmm. open a tablet, you will have a Samsung because, <laughs> you know. So uh, there is there is this problem I have seen quite many times. The swap of component by uh, some unbranded one which are unreliable. Um, yep. you, you can anticipate also some problems Problem related to process calibration, uh, machine uh, of the of the manufacturer which are not uh, maintained properly and <laughs> would do some parts which are not accurate or this kind of um, of issue. Um, you can have some um, for product degradation. Uh, if, for example, as I said before, you they move some product from one place to another one and it's uh, scratch some uh, some surface. I have seen <laughs> I've seen in the past some case some manufacturer who had, for example, a table. They were doing some product. Uh, they were do- moving some part on on the on the table and on the table there were a nail. There is a there is a nail because it was a wood table and every part we was passing on the table was scratch one by one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of yeah this kind of, pro- of problem can happen can be some problem uh, due to um, packaging or transportation it's something that the people don't think often but it may happen that the manufacturer do perfect product and when they pack it or when they transport it then everything got damaged because they didn't pack it properly or because uh, the transportation company uh, threw the carton and the carton was too big big or too heavy or too much loaded and it destroy everything so this kind of stuff can happen and uh, you need to to be to pay attention to it totally totally yeah i mean these are some great tips that can save people tons of headaches and and money and and loss so (laughs) yeah let's uh, let's let's summarize uh there's the two parts i guess from from part one for those that were on, definitely recommend listening to part one too, but maybe we can go through the rules for successful okay. manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Ah, the, the rule for successful manufacturing in China, well, as I always say, is the, one of the important things is to understand the process, which is um, to manuf- the pro- what, what is the process to manufacture your product. You need to to be curious, really. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're not curious and if you don't try to understand how it's made, you will not be able to um, to help the manufacturer to solve problem when the problem come out. You can pray and think, oh, I hope it's going to be fine and everything is going fine. But as I say, the Murphy law says that you, it will <laughs> not be fine. So, <laughs> so you need to anticipate that you will need to help them because sometimes they cannot help, help themselves. So you need to understand the process of the, the, the manufacturing process of your product and to identify the risk. This is very important. Then you need to perform uh, deep due diligence and audit the manufacturer regarding the skills and the process they have in place to manufacture um, the product, uh, which lead to anticipate problem uh, by performing risk analysis and bot- bottleneck on mass production um, process. Uh, always perform a quality control before shipment and if possible, make it early in the production. Mm. Don't, uh, don't wait the end. This is, uh, this is important. Um, Keep an end on on the supply chain procurement. This is also one uh, very important point. And to protect the IP, if you manufacture a product, uh, try to divide and conquer uh, your uh, different part if you can. If you yeah. cannot, bah, you have no choice. But uh, try to uh, to divide if you in conquer. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and and like you said, like some people might think this might cre- increase costs, but. Uh, it, 
a lot of times you can probably bargain a better price or learn your product better. But I think the most important is what you put in in here was be curious, right? And or at least somebody oh, yeah. in your somebody in your team, <laughs> somebody in your team has to be curious. I know there's different. That's why you should have a team, right? Some people might not care, yeah. might not might not really be interested in a product development, but mm-hmm. of course, if you have some good salespeople like uh brought up kick Kickstarter or Indiegogo, but you know, if you can sell it, that's great, but you still have to have somebody probably in the team or working closely with you, or or maybe if they're lucky enough to have somebody like you, Christopher, on uh on on contract with them. But you know, somebody in there has to really care and own the product, I think is the biggest yeah, part yeah. biggest part of of the process. Yeah, as I was telling you at the beginning, I I look sometimes. I mean, I look at project as an investor because sometimes actually I'm investing, oh, <laughs> I'm cool. investing in in, in some uh, in some stuff, some Great. project. Uh, but I'm also investing my time, you know. To mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. this is also something. So yeah, you need to to work with someone who really care your product the same as it is its own product. And being curious is very important because um, if you're not curious, you're going to pass next to many things that are interesting first and second uh, you're not going to be able to to solve problem agreed okay and uh and then the next list you have here is the product development so this is (laughs) usually before the manufacturing so yeah yeah so uh there's some similarities but i think things are really helpful for listeners as well yeah the 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 rules for successful product development is have someone who is really technical to manage the product development. If you are good in business or sales and so on, but you have nobody who can help you with the who is really technical, it's going to be a bit difficult. You need to find someone which is passionate about engineering and design, and someone who is not scared to put his his, his hands on and to be a, a boots on the ground. I would say and this is uh, this can help you to to success in having a product development uh, being fast quick and efficient you need to have technical people anticipate the manufacturing and certification very early in the design process so that uh, you design and do the engineering in direction of the of the manufacturing and the, the certification um, source some engineering skills as they say, huh? no, use try to find some brain people, mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. who have some experience, skills, and who, who have good common sense. Very important, the common sense. Uh, don't don't source some worker skills for product development. This is hands, and this is more related to manufacturing. Be clear about what you want from the beginning. To be very directive on the product de- product development phase, so you know exactly what you want, and uh, it's go quick, and uh, you know you already uh, you can can go quickly to 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 the goal you want to achieve. Okay. Uh, keep end on on product development source file, what I call the the four keystone, huh? the, mm. the CAD file, uh, the PCB uh, layout, uh, the schematic and uh, the source code, uh, the firmware of the source code, uh, so that even if you have a problem, actually you can. Get out of the of the of the manufacturer. You can change manufacturer. This yep. is a this is a big trap actually in China. Quite exactly. often, you the manufacturer will you hey I do I do the development for you yep. at very low cost, mm-hmm. but they don't they don't give you the engineering file. They don't give you the tooling. And the day when you have a problem, you cannot go out because you don't have the file. You don't have the tooling. You don't mm-hmm. have anything, and you need to restart every everything from exactly. scratch. Exactly. Cheap at the beginning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. That's just the biggest lesson so, yeah. I think people should listen to. Oh, right. Yes. I think it happens so oh, much. Yeah. 
and uh, people really. <laughs> You got to have money to invest. If, if nothing's free, right? So you're going to pay for it in the beginning or you're going to pay for it in the end. So um, it's good for the manufacturer. I mean, it's similar, like, you know, it, uh, in business anywhere, but especially in China, it's all about positioning and leverage, right? I think they're yeah. the Chinese business, yeah. not just to foreigners, but to even, of course, Chinese to Chinese is always, I think, about positioning and trying to, uh, be in a stronger position yeah, yeah, yeah. so i Is think <laughs> exactly so i hope hope if if anything that's one thing that listeners can get out of this today so christopher thank you so much so you had those two businesses um maybe we can we'll definitely link this up on on the show notes on, on both of the yeah both okay. of the episodes but if for those that are listening today uh how can people find you or or more information about your businesses well, they can um, they can type uh, pag dash electronics dot com. Okay. Um, or they can find me on LinkedIn, maybe. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, quite, I'm, quite, I'm quite available on LinkedIn. Yeah. I have also a blog, which is a uh, quality uh, dash or stroke, sorry, manufacturing dot org. Okay. Uh, I'm also uh, I, I sometimes write time to time on this on this blog when I have time, not a lot, but. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. I'll link that one. So it's the three and. Then- and then asiaqualitycontrol.com. Uh, well, asiaqualitycontrol.com, I'm more a board member and uh, I would say a uh, consultant. Uh, I'm not full time on it. Okay. It's not my uh, my main. It's not my main activities. Uh, not my main main job. But I, I I have some. I'm a board member and I advise them about how to do uh, some stuff. And sometimes I'm consulted for, I mean, for projects which are complicated, such as uh, root cause analysis on, uh, on quality issue. Okay. But I don't do any inspection myself anymore. I don't do any of it. Okay. So okay. So I'm, I'm wondering if you want to tell people how you would work. I'm sure people are pretty impressed with your interview today. So, how you said investing sometimes would probably work for a fee, right? Like a c- c- contractor or, or do you want to give some people some ideas of how they could work with you? Well, we have, we have different business model because different people have different needs. Um, it depends on how, how the startup is, the startup it, it is, is at which stage and what do they need? Uh, sometimes we have some startups that already have a team and they just need a subcontractor. To help them. In this case, we work uh, as a contractor. Uh, sometimes there are some startups who have very good ID. Uh, we feel that uh, they are going to to be successful and so on, um, but they don't have a lot of um, a lot of uh, a lot of fund. And in this case, sometimes we work with a bit some equity uh, and also some uh, some uh, some fund. But um, I mean some um, some some fees. Uh, but we try to balance this depending on the situation. Mm. So. Um, if somebody come to me with a project, I will first look at what what can be the output of this project. Is there a team already? Is there um, a market ready? Um, because I'm a technical guy, but I'm, I'm also I have, I have also a marketing background. Sure. A bit. Oh, great, man! <laughs> so <laughs> so when I when I look at the project, I don't look at it as just an engineer. I look at cool. it as um, you know, someone who can see if there is a market. I spend a bit sometimes in the Silicon Valley sometimes, so I know how they are thinking, and I took, I took a bit from them. From them. Great. Uh, so it's it's a case by case, but the first thing is to contact and submit the the pr- 
project ID and, uh, and usually I ask a lot of information on the on the first contact. I have a, I have a process with a form and they have to fill and so on. And based on this, um, I, I evaluate the, the project. Great. Wow. Thank you so much again. And this will all be yes, on the you for you. show notes too. And uh, we'll <laughs> have to get you some events too in the future, like we were talking about. Any, anything else you want to add? Or? Oh, yeah. There is something I forgot to mention in the in the rule for successful product development channel. It's okay. to register, register your IP if you can. Oh, yeah. Because it's not that expensive, actually. Everybody thinks it, think it's difficult and expensive, but actually it's not that expensive. Of course, it's... I wouldn't say it's difficult to enforce them, but if you have something registered, sometimes it can a bit scared the people who are copying your product. So I would say yes, it's good to register your IP in America, in Europe, and so on. But make it also in China because when you consider the cost of what it costs versus to what it can help to prevent the people to copy your product, I think it it's worth it. Um, you know, it's it's a legal IP protection. Which can be can be helpful. Uh, I believe that the IP protection should be legal on one side, but also operational, as the as I explained explained by uh, splitting the production and so on, and not showing the product too much. But the legal is 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 also important because it can um, allow to um, to scare a bit the, the the people who are doing the, the copy of your product if if it's happened, and it it's will true. happen normally. You know? It <laughs> if will if, if your if your product is good, you're going to get copied. It's just going to happen. So yeah, def- definitely, it will be it will be copy, um, which is also a sign that uh, your product is successful. Exactly, um, and you, you can you can limit you know the number of copy by having those documents and when the people do the copy, uh, you can send them the season disease. You have something to scare them with and hopefully get them to stop or ways to keep pushing. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Very good. So thanks. <laughs> yeah. Great, great delivery here and uh, always just getting more helping more. So uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get you on the show again too. And thank Thanks again, and uh, I'm sure listeners will enjoy. Thanks to you. Sure. I'm just so happy to be able to talk to some people when applying for that e-commerce venture we're doing, you know, getting notes, any five-star feedback. I'm begging for feedback like every other podcaster. Feedback helps. Also, sponsors, Aurelia Pay. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast, Simon. Simon Nair, the founder. Uh, Really appreciate you with doing that and it keeps this show free keeps this show value keeps me supported keeps my wife off my back for uh doing all this free stuff so thank you so much and please support our sponsors you know or just send a thank you note to them if you don't need their service or or whatever just send them a thank you to recognize and i just love what i do and it's been four almost four years of this podcast october will be four years so thanks for listening I know there's some people like this Edward that I was talking to today. He's catching up from like episode one. So he's not listening to these yet. But uh, when you do get to this show, thank you so much, Edward. Also, you know, every every listen, every download helps. I'm talking to more sponsors and they're want numbers, numbers, numbers. But you guys aren't numbers. I, I really think about each each one of you guys. Like Chris Thomas is a supporter. He's a member of the GFA VIP program. Thank you so much, Chris. I know you listen to a lot of these and appreciate that down in Melbourne. Hope to see you in Hong Kong sometime soon. And and everybody, everybody else, uh, you know, especially in China, especially with wives, you know, there's a lot of pressure here. But I love doing these. And 
I appreciate you guys listening. And then we're going to go to the next level, going to video and TV, e-commerce gladiator. It's uh, it's going to happen. Uh, getting pressure of making it, but it's going to be awesome. Going to have professional video crew, two cameramen, lighting, live studio audience, live streaming. Tuesday, August 22nd, 7 p.m., Hong Kong, China time. I think the best way to get it live is facebook.com slash global from Asia. Follow us if you haven't already. I almost hit a thousand likes. I'm starting to actually take a look at our Facebook account of our company. Um, I'm rambling here, but it's the le- it's the very end. And if you are still listening, maybe you can tell me you're still listening and send me a note. Mike at globalfromasia.com. I'm sweating here. It's probably going to rain like heck here in Shenzhen. But uh, it's just all these things are coming together, everybody. I'm really excited and I'm happy to have you here. Peace. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.